Welcome to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. Thanks for joining us today as we continue wrapping up our series on The End Times Prophecies. Here's Ray. Hi, I'm Ray Sturdivant. We're studying The End Times, and I'm here with my good friends John Lay and Danny Jacobs. Welcome, fellas. Thank you, Ray. Great to be here. And we are continuing our summary of The End Times, and we are going to jump into the timing of events. <laughs> and so, you know, how we look at this through our study is Scripture wants to interconnect. And so we're just going to take Matthew 24 as kind of our big picture lens that we're looking through and let it help us sort out other passages and just the timing of the events as they occur. This should help us in our planning of our doomsday prepping, (laughs) this section. Yes, and depending on what season we're in, how prepared are you? Right. (laughs) And so his disciples, they were asking basically three questions. You know, when will this happen, Uh, the destruction that he was talking about? What is the sign of your coming, and what is the sign of the end of the age? That's, That's a great point. And so... That's, you know, again, another reason to believe that Matthew 24 is addressing the church. Hmm. You know, the, the disciples are the leaders of the church asking those three questions. And that's a great summary of, the, of why Matthew 24 is even given. It's to answer those three questions. So the first event that we see in Matthew 24 are the birth pangs. And we'll start reading that in Matthew 24, 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of the birth pains. So just a summary of what we read, there's going to be false messiahs, war, war, famine, and earthquakes. Do you believe that we are in that period right now? I I think birth pains go on for longer than the seven years. So I think they are, if you, a great analogy is birth pains in a woman giving labor. Right. You know, they start further apart, and as they get closer, Things are going to intensify. You know, you could look at uh, a lot of the disasters that are happening and saying birth pangs seem to be intensifying, but I don't think we can time it yet. I don't think we can say necessarily what season we're in. At least I won't. And I want to compare what we just read with the seals of Revelation. So Revelation 6.1 Then I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, come. I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering to conquer. This, many people believe, is the Antichrist, so that's our false Messiah that relates to Matthew 24. Then we have the second seal. When he broke the second seal... I heard the second living creature saying, Come. And another, a red horse, went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given to them. This is war that relates to Matthew 24. Yep. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come. 
I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice of the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarii. And do not damage the oil and the wine. So this is the famine that was talked about in Matthew 24. When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come. I looked, and behold, an ashen horse, and he who sat on it had the name Death. And Hades was following with him. Authority was given to him over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with famine, and with pestilence, and by the wild beasts of the earth. So here we have famine, pestilence, mm-hmm. wild beast. So this is a comparison of the seals with Matthew so far. The beginning of birth things. You bet. And so now we go to the second event, which is the peace treaty. Uh, the first event clearly starts with the end times clock ticking. Well, I say clearly, as we said, there is a progression of the mm-hmm. birth pains getting right. more and more intense. And then we, uh, then we have a peace treaty. Uh, that's mentioned in Daniel 9:27, And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So if you remember, the uh, week is a seven-year period of time. And so he's making a firm covenant with the many. So there's... Many deduce from that a peace treaty. Daniel eleven twenty one. In his place, a despicable person will arise, talking about the Antichrist, on whom the honor of kingship has not been conferred. But he will come in a time of tranquility and seize the kingdom by intrigue. So there is the illusion of peace. First Thessalonians 5, 3. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly, like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. So that's a very, that, that passage is rich. It talks about peace, the illusion of peace and safety, and it brings in the analogy of the birth pains. So it's almost like it's going to get worse and worse and worse, and then this figure is going to say, hey, I've got it figured out. We're going to have a peace treaty, and we're going to end all this pestilence and these birth pains. Mm-hmm. So it could be. I mean, it's a great theory. Uh, our third event is the tribulation. And so, you know, is the peace treaty part of the seven years? Could be. I don't know. Um, But there's definitely a seven-year time period that's talked about. And so we're going to pause on that seven years and take a break. You've been listening to Minding the Truth with Ray Sturtevant. If you have questions or comments for us, you can email us at ray at miningthetruth.com. Also, we'd like to ask that you take a minute and prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. And if God has prompted you to do so, just go to miningthetruth.com and click donate. Thanks again for listening. Now back to Ray. Well, welcome back. We are on our third part of our time frame, which is the seven-year tribulation. And so the last three and a half years of the tribulation are the most intense. You know, Jesus calls it the great tribulation. And he says that the time wasn't cut short, no one would make it through. No one would survive it. So it's a pretty intense time of suffering. So our next event 
the fourth event would be the abomination of desolation. And this is Daniel's description of when the Antichrist goes into the temple and declares himself to be God. So we will compare Daniel 11.31 with Matthew 24.15. Daniel 11.31, forces from him will arise, desecrate the sanctuary fortress, and do away with the regular sacrifice, and they will set up the abomination of desolation. Matthew 24.15, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. So this abomination of desolation is uh, spoken of in Daniel and then confirmed by Christ as a future event. Some try to say that uh, Antiochus Epiphanes fulfilled this event back in, I can't remember the date, uh, is, you know, second century B.C. And so if that's true, then why does Christ ignore it? Mm -hmm. yet future. He says, when you see the abomination of desolation, know what the timing is. So then that leads us to the the fifth event, the Great Tribulation, as we spoke about. Christ talks about the last three and a half years being this intense suffering. Mm -hmm. So, John, why don't you read sure. those passages for us? Revelation 13.5 says, There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name in his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. Our next event, the gospel is said to be preached throughout the inhabited earth. Matthew twenty four fourteen. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Revelation 14, 6 says, And I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven, having an eternal gospel to be preached to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth and sea and springs of water. You know, as you read these and you compare the Matthew 24 passage and the passages that just weave right into it, it's amazing to me that Jesus is not, you know, going to these different passages and referring him. He's just saying it. I mean, like he just knows it. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. And it, I was blown away. One of the just the most amazing things happened in this study for me is the interconnected nature of Scripture and how we have, I believe, made it more difficult by peeling things apart, trying to fit preconceived notions. If you let it, Scripture wants to pull together like a magnet. And when you allow Matthew 24 comparing to Revelation, I mean, they fit perfect. They're talking about the same stuff. So it's when we peel it apart and try to make it fit, mm -hmm. uh, it, it makes it a lot more complicated. Could you imagine being one of those disciples there in the Temple Mount when Jesus is just saying this and just soaking it all in? That's what you have to do when you come to this. Just take it the way Jesus delivers it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you know, one thing also that I've learned from this study, Ray, it's been really amazing, is the continuity of words in the old Greek language to know um, the context of certain words. Because I think that's where a lot of opposing views come from, mm -hmm. where they'll... They'll use a word in one context, and then 
when it's said again in another part of the Bible, they'll forget that context of that word. That's a great point. Such as point. mountains and, you know, um, crowns and stuff like that, where if you look at it as a continuous thing— it's and, one story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then, then you, it, it's much easier to see the continuity of all these passages if you apply those same meanings to the words. That's a great point. And that's the, that's, you know, it takes a lot of study. It is a complex topic. Yeah, yeah. But once you start wrapping your brain around it, it does get simpler. It's all of these passages start coming together. I think that's one thing that, that, that we should all pray for and I, and I should pray for really is, is, sort of that fire to dig deep down in that. I know that's what your show's about, but to look past not even uh, of just the text of the Bible itself, but the, the actual words where it comes from. And mm-hmm. I think that you have to have, well, maybe not have to, but it's important and uh, I think a joy even to understand how that language applies because I think you're your mind is expanded towards what the meaning of the the Bible really is. If you can, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not necessarily left up for just scholars to know that information. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we have the Holy Spirit, you know, you can, you are meant to understand this stuff and God wants us to Mm -hmm. wrestle and dig. It's why he says, you know, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Exactly. Part of that diligent seeking is having the confidence to know I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. And God wants to reveal truth to me, but he right. wants me to wrestle and dig and work through this stuff. I and guess I just wrestle with laziness. <laughs> that's a different digging. That's, that's digging a Thank hole God in your lane. Thank around in. to tell me this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is really what this, what this show is about. And, you know, yeah. there's, a, there's a passage that, that I love that's on my Facebook page, and it's Isaiah 45.5. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden wealth of secret places. That just speaks to me of us digging and God giving us that treasure. That's all the time we have this week. I'm Ray Sturdivant, Mining the Truth. Thanks for listening to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, Email us right here at ray at miningthetruth.com. We welcome your comments and hope you'll join us next time for more of End Time Prophecies. <laughs>